We'll be in Matthew chapter 6 to start out today. Matthew chapter 6. Of course, today is Valentine's Day, and so I'm going to give you a couple of the best Christian pickup lines. All right, I got to skip through some of these. Hang on a sec. Um, all right, here we, here we go. How many times do I have to walk around you to make you fall for me? Uh, see Jericho, you remember children of Jericho marched around the walls? All right, uh, let's see here. They, they get better, don't worry. Um, unfortunately, I can't perform miracles, and I've only got enough bread and fish for two people. All right, there's uh, I believe one of my ribs belongs to you. That's a good one. Um, uh, that one's not uh, rated G. Let's see here. Let's keep moving. Um, oh, so last night I was reading in the book of Numbers, and then I realized I, I don't have yours. Um, hi, I'm Will. God's Will. All right, there's that one. That's a good one. Um, oh, that one's lame. Hang on a sec. There's another good one. i got to find it. There was another really good one in here. Um, is it a sin that you stole my heart? That's not, that's not great, but uh, let's see here. Uh, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. No, I'm praying for you so that I, I, that I can get you. Uh, I'm, not usually, I'm usually not very prophetic, but I can see us together. That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, there's one more in here. Hang on a sec. I've got to find it. Uh, this is a classic straight out of the Bible. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Um, it's out of... Had a song psalm in there. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'll stop there. Okay. So there you go. Mark those down, young men in the room today. Uh, you're not going to hear much better than that at Bible college. So if you go to Bible college, then there you go. That'll get you set up and ready to go for that. Happy Valentine's Day. Matthew chapter 6. Today, we are concluding... Uh, the, the series on abandoned principles, and uh, today I'm going to preach on something I've never preached on, and, and I will humbly admit to you one of the reasons why I've never preached on it is it's because it's not really something that I've applied in my own life either. And so today, as, as normal is, I'm preaching to me included, but today is as much preaching to me as it is to anyone else also. And today we're going to look at the, uh, the principle of fasting. Um, and in today's time, fasting has become popular, right? Intermittent fasting, where you, uh, it's, it's a diet, it's a way to lose some weight. You, you, you fast so often or for so many hours, and then you eat for so many minutes or whatever it is. I don't know. I obviously can tell I haven't even done that. But nonetheless, we are going to look at the biblical uh, uh, principle of fasting. And I want you to understand that fasting is a partner to prayer. Um, if you're going to fast and not pray, you're probably not going to accomplish what you're meant to accomplish. Fasting is a partner with prayer. We're going to talk about exactly what that means. Look at Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Christ is preaching uh, right now, what we're getting ready to read. It is part of His sermon. And He starts here in verse 16. It says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou fastest, 
uh, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. This is kind of our, our diving board today. We're going to actually look at a number of different passages uh, this, this morning as we look at some different things. But it's interesting that in verse 16, Christ says that when you fast, it's not if you fast, it's when you fast. It is something that you're expected to do. Uh, this is not something you do all the time. This is not something that uh, the Bible doesn't tell us how often we should fast or anything like that. But the Bible does teach us about fasting and praying. And if the Bible teaches us about it, it's probably something that we should be doing. And it's something that as Christians, we've kind of gone away from uh, this idea of fasting while we pray or when we pray or fasting at times. And I think uh, if you're like me, it's because you like to eat. And you just tend to not want to go without food, even for a little while. Now we read in the Bible of times where of a time where Christ fasted a very, very long time. Don't suggest you do that. Um, there is a, a time and a place for it. We'll talk about all that here in a second, why we should fast and, and whatnot from there. But I kind of want to start out with this introduction of sorts by uh, looking at these three verses, pointing out a couple thoughts, then we'll get into the three points I want to cover today. Matthew Henry, he's a Bible commentator. Again, I will just say I don't agree with everything that he says. But Matthew Henry, a Bible commentator, said, Seasons of deep humiliation require abstinence from lawful pleasures. Meaning that there are times in our lives when we have to humble ourselves to a certain point to God that we are going to refrain from things that are not wrong. Food, in particular. Uh, even though there's nothing wrong with eating, the Bible says that there is, there is a time to fast and pray as opposed to just normal, everyday prayer. Why in the world would that be? We'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, but in these verses, I just want to point out quickly, uh, it's important here that to biblically fast, you cannot be having the mindset and the mentality of, I want everyone to know that I'm fasting. It's important for everyone to see that I am doing this. The Bible says that's not how you're supposed to do it. That's how the hypocrites do it. That's not how you're supposed to do it. He says, anoint your head, wash your face, look normal, act normal. Uh, when you're out in public, when you're in front of people, it's not for them, it's for you. Those who do it for show, they have their reward. The people applaud them and go, wow, that person's super spiritual. Man, that person, he's just, I, you know, I wish I could be as dedicated as that person. That's their reward. But God says, when you fast in secret... The God who sees you in secret will reward you as well. So the reward comes from, and we'll look at the reward here in a moment, but the reward comes from God when we do it for God. Um, I've met the people, maybe you have too, who've been suffering for Jesus. They want to let you know about all the things that they've done for God and how it's really just affected them. How, how boy, it's hard and it's painful, but bless God, I did it anyways. And, and they kind of just... They, they want to be looked at as a martyr to some degree, and they're out there trying to promote their own spiritual actions, and for that they get their reward, the applause, but they do not get the reward that matters, and that's the reward from Jesus Christ, from God Almighty. And so God says, when you fast, you do it in secret. You, that doesn't mean that you can't tell your spouse, um, or else you know, they might get upset, why are you not eating the food I cooked? Um, you know, so that's, that's a good conversation to have. Uh, of course, but we're talking about in public. We're not going to announce a fast 
that this is what I'm doing, and everybody see that, uh, you know, we're all eating, eating lunch on Sunday, and someone goes, well, do you want some of my food? Oh, no, I'm fasting. Um, you know, uh, uh, that's kind of thing. You can just, just say, no, your food looks disgusting, and they won't even know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. I got to get off the bad jokes today. I apologize. We're going to look at three biblical reasons to fast this morning, and we're going to ask for God's help as we do it. Lord, I do thank you for your word. And God, today um, I stand before you as someone who has not applied this principle the way that I ought, ought to. And Lord, I pray that uh, in spite of that fact, that God, you would use me today to present this message clearly and correctly, truthfully, and biblically. God, I pray that you would use it to continue to impact my life. And God, I pray that you would use it to show all of us exactly what you desire from us when it comes to fasting. So, Lord, we ask for your help, we seek it humbly, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look here at three biblical reasons to fast. The first one is for burdens, for burdens. Turn with me, if you would, uh, to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1, that's the Old Testament. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Nehemiah chapter 1. We're talking about fasting, and again, I say it just so we're clear on it. Fasting is partnered with prayer. So when I'm talking about fasting, I'm also talking about prayer needs to be involved, okay? Um, and when we're talking about burdens, a lot of times, I, I don't know about you, I would assume you as well, we get burdened by unanswered prayers. Uh, where we're praying and it's not, we're not seeing the answer to it. And we're just, there's a prayer that we definitely want to see answered. And we'll talk about that a little bit more at the last point. But oftentimes we have these burdens and we say, God, we, we, we're burdened for this. We need help with this. And we're, and we're not getting the answer that we want from God. And, uh, and in Nehemiah chapter 1, we see a man who is burdened for his country. Burdened for his country. And I would argue that many of us our burden for our country today. Look at Nehemiah 1, verse number 3. Uh, Nehemiah said, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I, Nehemiah, heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, let, let, thy, let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned, we have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. So we see Nehemiah here. He gets a report back about uh, his homeland, how things are looking back home, where he came from. And the report is bad. The report is the people are afflicted, the walls are broken down, everything is in just shambles. And so he says there in verse number 4, that when he heard these words, he wept, he mourned certain days, he fasted, and he prayed before the God of heaven. 
Nehemiah had a great burden. And if you read through Nehemiah, we've looked at it before as a church, but if you read through Nehemiah, you're going to continue to watch Nehemiah's burden for his people and for the accomplishment of the restoration of his people. And so Nehemiah here starts this process by uh, weeping and mourning. You don't have to do that. Uh, But if you're burdened about something, oftentimes you will. And again, I'm not saying that you have to have tears for you to have me burdened. Don't get me wrong. But you understand the emotion behind it, right? There's a great burden here in Nehemiah's heart for his people. And so has he said, before he even prays, what does he do? He fasts and then he prays. And he goes to God, he goes to the one who can help, the only one who can help in this situation. He will eventually go to the king and seek his help. He does that after he's fasted and prayed to God. And so he has this burden for his country, and he goes to God, he fasts and he prays, and God answers, and he answers miraculously. He gives uh, Nehemiah the courage he needs to go to the king, he gives him favor with the king, he gives him a, a more than what he asked for through the king, he gives him safety along the way, people to help him build, all that goes in, the, the security and the safety that goes into the rebuilding of the walls and the restoration of the nation. And you see that all it came to a point at where Nehemiah realized, I need God to answer this request. And so he started by fasting and praying because he was burdened. Um, keep your spot here because we're going to be in Ezra in just a moment. I'll read for you in Acts chapter 13. If you want to turn there, you can. Uh, I can't keep you from turning there. So if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. But in a moment, we'll be back in Ezra, which is right before Nehemiah. Uh, in Acts chapter uh, 13... In verse 2 and 3, it says, well, I'll read verse 1 too. It says, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and uh, Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the church, or to the Lord, excuse me, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. Now, what I want to point out in this passage here is I believe a burden for the lost world. Not just their city, but I believe for the lost world. And why do I believe that? Because this church here in Antioch, it says in verse 2, that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So while they were, they were already actively doing this, The Holy Ghost came and he said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul, send them out for the work that I've called them to go somewhere else, to go further than where they were. In verse 3 it says, and when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Listen, they were burdened for people. So they were already fasting and praying as they were serving there in their church. As they were doing that, God said, okay, now I want these two guys, Barnabas and Saul, I want to send them out. And so then the Bible says that they fasted and prayed over that. Before they sent out Barnabas and Saul, they fasted and prayed for the ministry that Barnabas and Saul were about to accomplish, what they were about to go do. You see, they were burdened that Barnabas and Saul would leave and actually be effective in their ministry, that they would actually go out and do what God has asked them to do and to accomplish what God wants them to accomplish. And so for that reason, they fasted and they prayed for burdens. Are you burdened for your country? I, um, I would assume you are. I would assume that you would say, as, as I do, 
boy, our country's in a, in a messed up spot spiritually. You can argue politics all you want. Spiritually, even more so, our country is, uh, I can't think of the right terminology, it's messed up, <laughs> right? Uh, spiritually, the country is, is lost. So we've got two options, basically, with that thinking. One is we say it's too far gone. The other one is we say God can still fix it. That's really where we have to decide where we're at. It's like people that say, you know what, I'm done with it, God, just take me home. There's nothing wrong with that. The other side of the coin is, God, before you take me home, use me to reach those around me. Use me to bring revival. Use me to bring a, a sweep of the gospel across our country. I really, honestly, don't judge you either way. If you're saying, God, I've done my work, take me home, uh, that's, that's a fair position to be in. But you see, if you're burdened for your country, and you want to see God move, and you want to see God work, what are you doing? Step one, you would think, would be, well, I should be out sharing the gospel. Okay, are you doing that? We can come up with all kinds of excuses for why we're not. And they might even be good excuses, but they're still unacceptable. <laughs> if we're not sharing the gospel to anybody, we're still not accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. So that's obviously something we need to be doing, sharing the gospel. But we seem to forget the power of prayer within the Christian life. And one of the things that adds power, and we'll talk about that again in a moment, don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but one thing that adds power to prayer is fasting. And so if you're burdened for your country and you haven't been praying for the country, well, that's step problem number one. You haven't been sharing the gospel, well, that's a problem also. You're not acting on the burden that you have, or you probably don't actually have the burden if you're not doing those things, but nonetheless... So we're sharing the gospel and we're praying and we're saying, God, I'm still not seeing a movement. I'm still not seeing your movement in our country. So let's take a day and let's fast on it and let's pray. Again, fasting, it's giving up. It's, it's, it's refraining from food in most cases. Uh, limiting yourself, most would say, to just water. I'm not a fasting professional, so I don't know. Talk to your doctor. If you have health issues, obviously you want to consult a doctor before you do uh, any major fasting, but you say for a day, I'm not going to eat. Instead of eating, I'm going to spend that time praying, dedicated in prayer to the burden that I have so that God will, uh, it's not that God can't hear you, but so that God will see my sincerity in this burden that I have that I want to see fixed. You can have a burden for your country. You can just have a general burden for lost souls. Again, we're going to, it all kind of fits together. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let's keep moving and we'll get to it. Uh, number two, biblical reason number one to fast for burdens. Biblical reason number two to fast is for guidance. You're saying, God, I need guidance and I don't feel like I'm getting it from you. And this is an important decision that I'm getting ready to make. God, I need to hear you on this. Turn back, if you're in Nehemiah still, to Ezra. It's the book right before Nehemiah, Ezra chapter 8. If you're an adult, you've been in a spot in your life where you've had a major decision to make, and you said, God, I need your help for this decision. And maybe 
you've been at that point where you're saying, God, I can't hear you. <laughs> Can you speak up a little bit? You're using that still small voice. I need you to yell this one. All right? I, need to, I need to make sure I'm hearing you. This is an important decision. I don't want to mess this up. I need to know what I'm supposed to do. God, I need your help. Look in uh, Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. The Bible says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to see of him, to seek of him, a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but this power, uh, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this. Listen to this last line. And he was entreated of us. You have a situation where these people have been bragging on God. Right? They've been saying, it says that in verse 22, it says, we were ashamed to require the king, why, a band of soldiers, because uh, we had said, and we've, we've said it many times, the hand of our God is upon all them that, uh, that are for, uh, for good, that seek him. And we seek him, God is with us, he's not against us, God's going to take care of us, God's going to provide for us, God's going to protect us. That's what we've been telling the king, and now we're looking at a situation where we need protection, and we're saying, okay, should we ask the king for protection? But if we do that, then everything that we've been saying about God, it's going to look kind of foolish, isn't it? So it says that he proclaimed a fast in verse 21. And then in verse 23, he says, So we fasted, we besought our God, there's prayer for this, and he, God, was entreated of us. You see, there was a need here, a, a, a need for guidance. You can talk the, the game of Christianity all you want to. You can tell anybody and everybody, God's going to take care of me. Do you believe that, by the way? Um, I do. <laughs> but uh, do you believe it when you say that? God's going to take care of me. And these folks had it correct. When we're obeying God, we have no doubt that God's going to take care of us. But beware, if you're not obeying God, <laughs> you know, a little bit of danger in that. Not a little bit, a lot of danger in that. So they come to this point, they're confident in the fact that they're obeying God. They're confident in the fact that they're walking with God. Yet they're in this situation where they're saying, we cannot see clearly the outcome of this next step. We cannot see clearly that uh, we, we know what God has said, we've told people what God has said, that God will take care of us. But this next step is really, really dangerous. And they said, we don't want to just walk straight through it on our own. So the option is, ask the king for help for a band of soldiers, or go to God, seek his guidance on what you should do. So what did they do? They fasted and they prayed. And they got the guidance that they needed. You see, we make decisions in life, and, and some of us uh, make them faster than others, some of us... Uh, um, are more carefree than others. Some are more thoughtful and detail-oriented than others. And, and so you're making all these decisions based on uh, um, statistics, based on knowledge, based on whatever. But when you come to a life-altering decision, 
You know, this happens when you're thinking about jobs. Should I quit this job to take this job? This job has done good for me, it's provided for me, it's, there's been positive things, there's, there's pros in going to this job, there's cons in going to this job, there's pros in staying here, uh, and whatnot from there. Um, decisions with uh, relationships, decisions with uh, children, decisions with all kinds of things that are life-altering decisions. And so when we desire to have an answer from God and we're not getting the answer from God, when we're saying, God, I need your guidance, and we're not getting it, the next step is to fast and pray. And again, we're talking fast for a day, fast for two days, uh, fast for a week, fast until you get the answer, I don't know. But you fast and you pray. You give up. What did uh, Matthew Henry say? Uh, lawful pleasures, things that aren't bad, they're not, it's not wrong, but I'm going to give up these things for a moment to focus in on and sincerely seek God and pray for it. And I think it all comes together on the last point, which is a biblical reason to fast. Number one is for burdens, number two is for guidance, and number three is for authority. I probably could have had one point today, it could have been this one and everything else encompasses kind of within it. But this is important. So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 9. We're going to flip between Luke and Mark here in just a second. But Luke chapter 9. A biblical reason to fast is for authority. Do you remember what the Bible says we wrestle against? It says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? It's not against people that we're fighting against, spiritually speaking. We're, we're fighting against um, spiritual wickedness, darkness, principalities, uh, Satan himself. Luke chapter 9, look in verse number 1. Christ here, with his disciples, he says, Then he, Jesus, called his twelve disciples together. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases now listen what it's saying here is he got the 12 disciples together and he's going to send them out to do a work and he gave them power and authority over devils and to cure diseases so that they could go out cast out demons from people who were demon possessed and heal people who were sick we'd seen jesus do that right he had healed the blind he had made the lame to walk um, he had risen people from the dead all those kinds of things but he was god these 12 disciples, they're, they're not God. But Christ gave them power and authority for these things. So that now they're going to go out, and as they are going out and teaching and preaching, they are also able to cast out demons and heal the sick. Now turn to Mark. You'll see why we read this in just a second. Mark chapter 6. This is the same instance just in Mark's gospel instead of Luke's gospel. Mark chapter 6, verse number 7, it says, And he, Jesus, called unto him the twelve, and he began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. All right, so it's the same instance. The reason why I looked at Luke is because the terminology is slightly different in Luke. It says power and authority. And in Mark, he says power to, to uh, over the unclean spirits. Um, this is not a sermon on demon possession, but as you reread through, especially in the New Testament, and we see 
uh, through Christ's life, the amount of demon-possessed people that he comes across, and that the disciples come across, and they're casting demons out of people, it's a reminder of how real Satan is, and how real Satan attacks. Now, I've heard some bogus stuff said about demon possession, and I've heard some people undermine it too much as well. Uh, and so that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But here, the disciples, they were given power and authority over devils and unclean spirits and those that were diseased. Uh, now, at Mark chapter 9, we're getting there, I promise. Mark chapter 9. We're going to read a little bit of a story, so stay with me. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse number 17. So this is after Mark 6, right? After Christ sent out the twelve, and they had power and authority over the unclean spirits. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 17. And one of, uh, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wherever, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples and they should, uh, that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now wait a second. Three chapters earlier, God gave them power and authority over unclean spirits. Now in Mark 9, this man is saying, I asked your disciples to cast this demon out, and they can't do it. Verse number 19. He answered him, or answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit, spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was uh, as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Disciples couldn't do it. Jesus did. Now look in verse 28. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? Fair question, right? Because earlier the disciples had given, been given power and authority over the unclean spirits, yet they could not cast this demon out. So they asked, why couldn't we do it? Verse 29, And he said unto them, This kind, this kind of demon, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. What this tells me, is that there are levels to my authority. There are levels to what I am allowed to do uh, by God, what God gives me the ability to do, what God gives me the power to do, what God gives me the authority to do. Now listen, I base my ministry uh, as pastor of this church on the authority of Scripture. God's Word gives me the authority to say 
what God's Word says. <laughs> I don't have the authority to add to it, but to say what God's Word says. That is one side of authority that I have. But you know, I look at this and I see God says, I gave, I gave them authority, I gave them power over the unclean spirits, yet now they've come up across an unclean spirit, so to say, that they did not have the authority over. They could say it as much as they want to, come out of him. Come out of him. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of him. And the demon is going to laugh. He's going to say no. The disciples, boy, they didn't understand this. And they asked God, and God says, uh, Christ says the reason why you couldn't is because this kind only comes, only listens, only, uh, you only have authority over it by fasting and prayer, which means there are things on this earth that God gives me the ability to do and the authority to do, and yet there are other things that I'm going to need additional authority and additional power to accomplish. Now, none of us, I don't believe, have ever cast demons out. I have not, and to be quite honest with you, um, I've been asked before, what would you do if someone came in the back of the church screaming and yelling, saying, I, you know, I said, I honestly, I don't know what I would do. I'd say, have a seat, we'll talk to you afterwards. Um, I, I'm not sure. But it goes further than just demon possession. I started thinking about this, and I started wondering, you know, have you ever had a, a sin in your life that you couldn't get victory over? You say, God, I know I'm not supposed to do this. God, I don't want to do this, but I just can't seem to stop. I just can't seem to, to, to get past it. I can't seem to, to win. I can't seem to get victory over this. God, I know you don't want me to do it, and God, I've asked you for help not to do it. Yet still, here I am falling into the same sin over and over again. May I encourage you to think about the fact that you may need more authority? And if you're sincere about this sin that you don't want in your life, that you can't get victory over, may I encourage you to, to add power to your prayer by fasting? By going to God and saying, God, I am sincere about this. God, I'm at my lowest. You remember Matthew Henry said, seasons of deep humiliation, where I stand humbly before God as low as I've ever been. Say, God, I am wicked. God, I am sinful. God, I cannot... Get victory over this. I need your help. Now listen, God gives you steps along the way, doesn't he? He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And so maybe it's just you're not fully armored. But what happens when you're fully armored and you're saying, God, I'm, I'm fighting. And Lord, I know I need your help because Satan's darts, they're fiery. And they seem to be piercing my armor. I can't seem to get this victory over this. Well, maybe you need some more authority. Maybe it's the kind that you only get through prayer and fasting. Maybe there's a day that I need to take and set aside the lawful pleasures of food and take that time that I usually take to eat and scroll on my phone to just get before God and say, God, I need your help. God, I need victory. May I take it one, one more step further? If there's a loved one that needs Jesus, and you'd say, God, I've, I've shared the gospel with them. I've told them what they need to know. They're not listening. 
They don't want anything to do with it. They, every time I go through it, they either say, no, no, let's not have this conversation again, or they laugh at me, or they listen and they just say, it's just not for me. You know, it's not my job as a human to convict someone of their sin. It's not my job as a human uh, to convince someone of their, uh, their, their need for salvation. God does that. There's someone you say, you know what, I'm just burdened for this person. I love this person and I want to see them come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I want to see them saved. I want to know that, that, that for eternity they will get to spend it in heaven and not have to spend it in hell. I, God, I want this person to be saved. God, I, I need this person to be saved. God, this person is someone that I care dear, dearly for and yet they, they won't accept the message of the gospel. Can I encourage you to get a little more authority? You ask the question, what, what would you do for your child? Any parent worth anything would say anything for them. Would you give your life for your child? Yes, in a heartbeat. Okay, what would you do to to see this loved one that you're praying for get saved. And God says that through prayer and fasting, we, it, is, it is, I don't like using the elementary terms, but I will, it's additional power to prayer. It's adding to the power of prayer. There's a sincerity and there is a, a, a humility behind it when we go before God and we say, God, I'm giving up things in my own life God, and I am, I'm begging you. God, I'm seeking you. God, I am imploring you. God, I am asking you, please, to answer this request. When we add fasting to prayer, I believe we add power to prayer. As we watch Christ fast, and we see His example, 40 days, I can't do that. I'll tell you right now, I can't. I can start with a day. Yeah, I'll be hungry. I'll also be okay. And my goodness, if it answers, gets my prayers answered, why wouldn't I? If the person that I love is on their way to hell, and, and I'm, not, I'm not guaranteeing anything, by the way, only God can do that. But I go before God and I say, God, I'm giving up this, and I'm seeking you, we look throughout the Scripture, and we're just looking at a couple examples today. You look through a Scripture, and you see what is attached with fasting and praying, the result of it. It's definitely something, at the very least, we should consider. I'm not a doctor, and I can't tell you how to fast. I can tell you the basics of uh, giving up of food. Uh, I would still encourage you to drink water. Um, Again, feel free to talk to your doctor about fasting uh, and things like that. Don't Google it, um, but uh, talk to a professional. But what does a day of fasting and praying get us? What does two days of fasting and praying get us? What does fasting once a month for a day get us? You say, well, I'm burdened about this. Well, what are you doing about the burden? So why well, I asked God once, 
Maybe I ask God daily. Has he answered your prayer? I've always told you, I believe prayer is asking and the answer to prayer is getting what I asked for. If I don't get what I asked for, then I don't consider my prayer answered. And sometimes I pray for things I shouldn't pray for. And God says, I'm not going to answer that. So it's almost, and I don't want to, to uh, minimalize it, but if your kid ever asks you a question and you're like, that's not even worth responding for, you know the answer. So we'll ask God for things that we're not supposed to ask God for. God's not going to go, well, he asked, so I guess I'll give. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. We ask for things that God is pleased with, that God desires for us, and God gives it to us. Do you believe that God wants your loved one to get saved? The Bible tells us he does. So if what you're doing is not working, why not add to it? I'm praying for this person. Great, keep that up. Don't stop. Well, I'm sharing the gospel with this person. Great, because uh, how will they hear without a preacher, without someone telling them? So that's great. Keep that up. But God still has not broken down the hardness of their heart, broken through the walls, the barriers that are there. God, I need this person to be saved. God, I desire for this person to be saved. God, I love this person. I don't want them to go to hell. May I encourage you to add a little power to your prayer by fasting. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm not, I've never been this embarrassed to preach a message in my life. I'm no fasting professional. I've given up a meal to pray for things before, skipped a lunch. I'm not taking a day. And I'm telling you that, and I don't know that I should, but I'm telling you anyways. If you believe that there is power in prayer, and I do with all my heart, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen God answer and answer and answer and answer prayers. So if I have a burden about something that I know that God is pleased with that burden, that in most cases God gave me that burden, if not always, why is God not answering my prayer? Maybe this kind of prayer is only going to be answered by fasting and praying. Don't, don't mix, by the way. Don't mix... Well, good, I, I, I was going to do some intermittent fasting anyways, and I'm not saying that. My point is this, if you're going to fast and pray, dedicate it to simply fasting and praying. And seek for God's help, the things that we aren't getting answers to. You burden for your country, fast and pray. You burden for your neighbor, fast and pray. You burden for your church, fast and pray. You burden for a loved one, fast and pray. You need guidance over a life-altering decision and you're not hearing God, fast and pray. Are there other uh, reasons? Yes. Are there other um, accomplishments, I suppose? But I just want to, you know, when I was thinking about what topics to preach on and praying over what topics to preach on, talking about abandoned principles. A uh, year or two years ago, two years ago, I think I did a sermon series on You Asked It. And I gave out uh, pieces of paper to everyone, told them to write down a topic or something that you would like me to preach on and turn it in and then I'll work on preaching on those topics. 
One of the topics that got turned in was fasting. And I started doing some reading in my Bible on it and looking over some different things, and I was like, I can't preach on this. Um, I need more study time. I need more whatever. This year, and the Lord laid on my heart to do this series, and uh, originally I was going to do a whole message on just prayer. And God said, yeah, but that verse says prayer and fasting. And it reminded me of the card that I received in the last time we did that and, and how I um, apologized to the person. And I said, I just nothing that's going to happen this time around. I need more time on it. And I did need more time on it, but honestly, a lot of it was just uncomfortable knowing that it's not something that I was doing. Um, I believe the way that I needed to be doing it. So here I stand humbly, I don't care about you, before God. I do care about you, just not in that way. Um, humbly before God, knowing that I need this uh, a lot. And I assume that others do as well. We cannot ignore the, the teachings of the Bible. We cannot pick and choose the things that God tells us to do and say, well, I'll do this one and I'll do this one. I'm going to go ahead and skip this one, but I've got four or five, so I should be okay. And again, I'm not saying that you need to do this every day. I'm not saying that you have, you have to do it every month. But there has, to be, there has to be things in your life that you need some power for, you need some authority for. When you stand before God and you stand before these things and you say, God, I need you on this. And in order for this to happen, it hasn't happened yet. I've prayed about it. God, I'm being obedient. I'm following you. I'm going to add a little bit of authority by fasting. I hope this made some sense to you today. Uh, I know it's something that I needed, and it's something that's uh, being applied to my life uh, through just the process of preparing for this message. And may we accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish, and may we apply biblical principles to our life and obey it to its fullest, not just part of God's Word. Lord, I come before you today, and I've already said it, and God, I know that uh, this is not an area that I've been uh, good at. And God, I pray that as we think through biblical principles, God, that we would not avoid obeying things that make us uncomfortable, uh, avoiding things that maybe we just, it's not something we want to do, but God, that willingly, humbly, obediently, uh, we would accomplish what your word tells us to accomplish, that we would do what your word tells us to do. That would be not hearers only, but doers of the word. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us. God, I pray today there's someone that's on someone's heart that needs to be saved. God, it's someone they've been praying for, and it's someone that they've shared the gospel with. And God, today I pray that you would answer their prayers. But God, I pray that we would do what's necessary for these prayers to be answered. God, I pray that you would, as we look at our country and we see the wickedness that it's in, that, God, we would not lightly just say, yeah, I'm burdened for my country, but, God, that we would truly be burdened for our country. And even further than that, for the lost world, as you've already told us, we need to pray for more uh, people to go and to spread the gospel throughout the world. And God, are we burdened to see the world reached for you? So, God, give us a burden. God, again, help us to be faithful in obeying you. And Lord, would you help us to 
biblically apply this principle of fasting to our lives the way that you want to be. Give us instruction, give us guidance, and Lord, give us help as we surrender to do what you want us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, you can stand. Piano's going to play, and I'll just give you time uh, to talk with the Lord about anything you need to talk with Him about. Lord, we do thank you, and we just simply ask for your help as we apply your word to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to clarify one thing. I, I, one of the reasons why I told you about my weakness in this area is to make sure you know I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. Uh, I don't want you to feel guilty eating lunch today or dinner tonight or whatever it may be. It's not, obviously not the purpose of any of this ever, anything that I preach. Um, but, uh, you know, do it prayerfully, do it thoughtfully, do it biblically um, when you do it. And uh, let's just seek God for his help, and I know that he's going to help us do it. Thank you for being here today. We will have service at 1 o'clock this afternoon if you can join us. I'd sure love to have you with us. Um, and then Wednesday night, we're just going to play it by ear. Uh, good chance we're going to be doing a Zoom on Wednesday night. Uh, if we get what they're calling for and if it gets as crazy as they think it's going to get, who knows, right? Don't ever trust a lawyer or a weatherman, but nonetheless... Uh, we'll play it by ear. We'll keep you up to date on what's going on Wednesday night. And uh, uh, hopefully, though, we'll see you this afternoon. Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.